everyone, Sarah Brown Wessling here from the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. And I am so excited to announce the third season of Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. CCSSO's National Teacher of the Year program provides a platform for exceptional educators to elevate issues that affect teachers and their students, to expand their leadership roles, and to inform policy and practice. In this season of the podcast, 2022 State Teachers of the Year will teach us about the lessons their students keep talking about. Maybe it's the one that they come back to years later and tell the teachers about. Or maybe it's the one their most recent students have asked for over and over again. This season, we are honored to have two past State Teachers of the Year conducting the interviews themselves. You'll hear Stacy McAdoo, 2019 Arkansas State Teacher of the Year, John Arthur, 2021 State Teacher of the Year, and me in conversation with our teachers throughout this season. I invite you to listen to these incredible stories. Welcome to the Voices from the Classroom podcast. I'm John Arthur, the 2021 Utah Teacher of the Year, and I am here today with Deanne Moyle-Hicks, the 2022 Nevada State Teacher of the Year. Welcome, Deanne. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. Oh, so good to have you. Can you please tell us where you teach, what you teach, and why you love teaching? All right. So I teach on the Pyramid Lake Paiute Reservation in northeastern Nevada, just outside of Reno. I am currently a fifth grade teacher. I rolled up with my students for the last five years. So um, we've been together for a while. And I think a piece right now of why I love teaching. Uh, I teach in a very small school and I've had the opportunity to build some really deep and solid relationships with my kids and with their parents. And that brings me back every day, knowing that they're excited for me to be here. And it's, um, this is my 30th year in teaching. And I think I love it more today than the first day that I started. Just because for me, it's this connection to something bigger than myself. It's a connection to knowing that what I'm doing here every day is potentially making the life of somebody else better, providing them with an opportunity that they may not have had. I don't know if that even makes wow. sense. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Listening to you was mind-blowing. It was one amazing thing after another. You've looped up five times with the same group of kids. I've heard of people looping one grade level, maybe two, but like, so what, did you start with them in kindergarten? First grade. First, first grade. grade? Yep. So I transferred to Natchez when they were first graders. I uh -huh. came with the principal. And then I came with the intention of looping the first year, which I'd already talked to the principal. So we looped. And then halfway, three quarters of the way through second grade, pandemic starts. So okay. moving into third grade, the principal was like, well, you've already been with them. You kind of know through the pandemic what happened, right? How about you loop with them next year? I said, okay. So then third grade is the year of the pandemic. So we're virtual. We're in a hybrid model for that year. And at the end of that year, it was again, well, we've had kind of a really strange year. You already know the kids and you know what they have and have not learned over the course of the pandemic. How about you loop again? So that moved us into fourth grade last year. And 
then towards the end of last year, it was kind of like, well, they only have one more year here because we're a pre-K through five and then they'll exit. And at the end of this year will be my 30 years. So I'm ready for retirement. So we all just kind of will leave together. And at the same time, there were parents who were like, we're not really sure what to do if they have somebody else as a teacher. You know, we, we're, we know you, you know us. And so um, the parents were okay with it and the principal was okay with it. And I said, well, then let's, let's just do it again. Um, the thought last year of having a new group of kids was exciting, but also the thought of a new group of kids was heartbreaking because I have mm. been with this group of kids for so long. They really are like, they're like my own kids. And uh, so I'm, I'm already emotional about <laughs> what the end of this year is going to bring. Um, but it's, it's been a great ride. We've had a great time. Wow. I feel honored to be talking to you here at this moment where you're about to begin this final stretch mm-hmm. to the to the finish line to the end of your career congratulations thank you but the beautiful thing about that is even after you're done in the classroom you will still have kids coming to talk to you about what you did in the classroom and we're here to hear about one of those lessons that they want to talk to you about so would you mind telling us about this lesson that students keep talking about what you did in that lesson and what the students were doing throughout yeah, so last year uh, we in in the county that I teach in we got a new we got FOSS as a new curriculum for science, so kind of changed things up and started a new direction with my STEM instruction and um, so with the kids at the beginning of the year, we actually started with a story, a STEM story. So uh, it was a story, and then at each part in the story, something happens. And there's a STEM challenge at that part of the story that the kids have to complete. And so we kind of did that at the beginning of the year. And the kids were like, that was so much fun. And I said, "Um, I think we could write our own story, right? And they were like, yeah, yeah, let's write our own story. So at the same time that we were doing the STEM story, we were also, we had some uh, Paiute lessons. So because I'm on the Pyramid Lake Paiute Reservation, we have uh, partnership with the Reno Tahoe Indian Colony and their language department. So the instructional aide that works here with me, her daughter is kind of the lead in that department. So she had uh, provided some lessons for us in some different language activities. And we had been learning Paiute, uh, I'm sorry, Pinet. I get too many P words <laughs> there one time. So Pinet hunting in the fall is, is big for our Paiute culture here in, in Northern Nevada. And so we learned a lot about the Wono baskets and what the ceremony is about in order to do the pine nut hunting. And so the kids were like, what if we wrote a story about pine nut hunting? I thought that'd be a great idea. So we started this story. And at the same time, then in science, we were folding in earth systems and talking about earth's plates and earthquakes and some of those natural disasters that happen. And then the kids start to create this story about they're going to a powwow, but there's an earthquake. And so um, they just, they, they start to kind of latch on to how can we make this story similar to the shipwreck story that we had earlier in the year where we were practicing our, our STEM process. And over time, we just start to build, to build this story, right? We're going to the powwow, going to the Schur's powwow, which is, um, 
another Paiute reservation just south of here. It's, and they have a they have a great big powwow celebration during it's a, called the Pine Nut Festival. And um, so then we're talking and I'm like, well, if there was an earthquake, what would happen? And they're like, well, the bridge would fall in. We wouldn't be able to get across the river. Right. Mm. And and so it's like, so then what would we do? Well, we'd have to engineer a bridge. And so as each piece of this story kind of comes together, they started to pull from their experience because we'd already built a bridge. They'd already engineered a bridge earlier in the year. And, and there were a few other things. So then I'm kind of throwing in these ideas that kind of keep us sidetracked to getting to the Pine Nut Festival. <laughs> and, and so from there, they're like, oh, but if that would happen, then we would have, I said, you know, we get across the bridge and now we're on our way and we realize we don't have any pine nuts. Right. And they're like, oh, we'll have to stop the bus and gather some pine nuts because we need to bring something to the festival to contribute. And, and so then we get there and that's when they start talking about making the Wono baskets and the Yatta baskets um, in order to gather the pine nuts and then in order to shell the pine nuts. And so it's, it was kind of this weaving of me derailing them and them finding their way back into the story. And at the same time, it was an opportunity for us to practice the language that mm. they had been learning earlier in the year. And we, we put it all together kind of in a PowerPoint structure. And then we shared it with the first graders. So we partnered with the first grade class, very small school. So only one first grade class and only one fourth grade class. So we partnered with the first graders and the, te and the students became the teachers. So we showed them the next section of the story. and through their ownership of the story, there's just, they had so much pride in the story and these ideas of how they had these STEM challenges. Then for the first graders, we partnered them up and the fourth graders, my students became the lead and the guide in helping the first graders learn how to navigate uh, engineering challenges mm -hmm. and how to, how to work together. So First, we had a lot of tears in first grade. Nobody's choosing my ideas. Everybody thinks this is horrible. <laughs> so we watched this really great transformation happen in first grade with the kids being more independent learners to becoming very collaborative and cooperative with their thinking and their mm -hmm. idea building. So, um, yeah, so I would I would say. And not just my kids were like, when are we finishing the story? When are we getting back to the story? You know, what's the next part of the story? And then the first graders, every time I would see them at lunch every day, when are you guys coming back? What day are you guys coming? When's the next part of the story? What do we get to do next? So it just created kind of this synergy between these two classrooms and, and some bonds that we, we have siblings, we have cousins and those kinds of things. But it also kind of started to create a bigger community between the upper kids, or the intermediate kids then, and the younger students. So That's amazing. It's storytelling it's science it's simulation it's 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 really connecting not just the the curriculum and the content but like you said these these groups of kids within the school around problem solving around just content creation you know kids creating a narrative and i love all the the little obstacles that you threw in there was there ever one where they're like come on this <laughs> That's just mean. I think probably the the last one is we're actually at the powwow and we've we've come across we've done all of our challenges and we're there, we're enjoying it. And then I said there's another earthquake and now the earth has split in <laughs> half, right? 
And they were like, how are we ever going to get back to the bus? So I think that very last one, I just tipped them over the edge. <laughs> but um, after they had an opportunity to think about some of the other challenges they were doing, they're like, oh, we could create a zip line. We could have them make a zip line. And, oh, my and gosh. We can get them back to the bus. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some students were excited every time there was a challenge and others were like, really? You know, we're just, mm-hmm. you know, so. But of course, the first graders didn't know really any of that. They're just following this story along and they're just looking forward to what is going to be the next, what's going to be the next challenge. What's the next thing we have to overcome. And as you watched your students, as well as these first graders working through these challenges, what did you learn about how students learn, how they collaborate and problem solve? And then what did you learn about your own teaching process? And, and, you know, again, you're coming towards the end of your career, but we never stop growing and never stop learning. What, what did you learn that you did not realize those other 28 years? I think there was a couple of things I learned. There was something I learned and something I relearned. So I have always known kids are capable if we get out of their way. And sometimes it's really hard as a teacher. And I've known that for a long time. And over the years with different groups of students, it feels like it's more of an opportunity than with other groups of students, right? Because we have challenges of classroom behavior and and those Mm -hmm. obstacles. So relearning that kids are capable, um, that if if I allow them and build a structure, I I think of field of dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. I'm always (laughs) thinking about that when it comes to how do we design classroom instruction that allows students to really dig deep, engage? Um, How do we make relevant lessons that also are, that keep kids just kind of building that little next step? How do we make them rigorous enough that we have just enough scaffolding in place all the time to kind of keep them moving forward in each little section? And so that part I did. And I think the piece that I learned, because I've not done always a lot of work between cross cross grade levels, maybe like fourth and fifth grade, one grade below or one grade above. We've done some writing and that kind of, of stuff. But to really watch these students be leaders and to be the teachers. And now as you know, we're re- recruiting and retaining teachers and that's the first place that we need to be looking is in our classrooms and who do we have mm-hmm. that are just naturals at this process. So it really was one of the first times I'm able to kind of sit back and say, well, look at this student here who really has this natural ability to guide these students, these younger students. and. And they're providing those same scaffolds I provided for them. They're not giving the answers. They're not doing it for them, but kind of just kind of giving the next little step each time. Um, And then seeing other students' strengths. So even for those students who may not be able to guide and teach in that direction, they're bringing a different set of strengths to, to this learning process. So they're talking to the kids about, well, what are we going to write down here? How are we going to write that? Let me help you write that. Let me, you know, let me kind of guide you in a different way. So I think for me, that was probably one of the biggest things is I, maybe in 30 years, I needed to give kids more opportunities to be leaders in the community around them, to take that responsibility, to take that role, and then to really support them in finding their niche and their strengths in these kinds of 
opportunities. I'll tell you, everything you're saying right now is really touching me. I tell my students all the time that my greatest wish for them is to become teachers. That's the, the greatest gift I could ever hope to give them is the realization that teaching is the best job in the whole world because yeah. you spend all day educating and uplifting the best people in the whole world. And there are kids in our classroom that we see every year that we know would be amazing teachers. And I've actually, I'm, I'm in the classroom because a teacher told me, hey, John, you're, you're really good at this. You'd be a great teacher. I've reflected on the, the idea of if she changed those words, if instead of saying you'd be a great teacher, recognizing the talent that lies in us, if she'd said instead, uh, you know, you should be a teacher, where it was a recommendation rather than a recognition. I don't know if it would have landed as, as well, but I love the fact that you are seeing in your kids the, the same skill set, the same natural talent that you have had in the classroom for all these years. And from one teacher to another, I thank you for your time, your service. And, uh, and I just, I want to know when your students are coming back to talk to you, not just about this lesson, but or any lesson, you know, what, what are you taking most from those interactions when the students come back to talk to you? You know, and especially at the end of a career, these students may be bringing in their own kids uh, with them. What do you what are you taking away from that? Well, I think a piece of what you just talked about there is listening to students. Mm-hmm. What am I what are we listening to and what do we hear when we hear them say, I prefer this versus I prefer this? It to me it's it has been an opportunity to say, okay, so if if kids are talking about this, even just like we did idioms for a while, right? And the, and the kids that come back every day and they're like, that's an idiom. Or the parents that are like, hey, all he talks about at home are idioms. <laughs> um, you know, I think those are our cues as teachers where we need to be. That is feedback. And it's right. feedback in the best form because it's coming from our students. And they're saying, I like this subject. I like the way we we engaged in this content. Um, I prefer to learn in this way versus, you know, I don't necessarily hear a lot of kids all the time commending me when we have to do a practice page or something like, I just loved that worksheet that we did for that practice, right? (laughs) So listening then to what it is that they're talking about, how they're talking about their learning really gives us an opportunity to think about how are we planning engaging activities for students? How are we making content that feels that the kids are like, why do I have to learn this? How do I make that content feel real to them and give them an opportunity to engage in it at a different, in a different way, at a different level? So yeah, I think listening to what they're saying to me is the greatest feedback that I can get. And um, then working really hard to make sure that I keep a mental list, a regular list, of these are the ways that these kids are really engaging in their learning. I need to provide more of these. If they, if they like doing a book report as an art project versus writing, or if they like to tell about the stories instead of write about them, I need to know those things. So I can provide those opportunities and those choices for students in the classroom. Deanne, giving students choice, listening to them, and letting them literally write the story of what they're learning in class. 
It's amazing. I can't thank you enough for joining me today and having this conversation. And uh, thank you on behalf of every teacher who's listening and every student who's been in your class for your many, many years of service. Well, thank you, John, for inviting me. It really is an honor to be here with you in this space and to lift teachers up and continue to move the profession forward. Excited for that. Thank you for listening to the latest series of Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Please share these lessons on social media with the hashtag NTOY22. That's hashtag N-T-O-Y-2-2. You can also catch up on the last two seasons on our website at ntoy.ccsso.org. While you're there, you can also learn more about and find ways to support all of our efforts to elevate teacher voice through the National Teacher of the Year program. Until next time.